for example, last year I had a maximum speed for 10, 75 kilometers per hour. That's, that's the maximum top speed in, in downhill. Same speed as I had with the, with the old chair, but in, in tailwind. And last year we had uh, headwind. So I think it's, it's really a difference. Yeah. Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Hey, this is Chris Whiteout. We are going to talk to probably the guy who is changing wheelchair racing right now. So four gold medals in Tokyo, then including the marathon, then went and won Berlin, London, Boston, New York in the uh, major series. Then Oida broke a world, world record, 117.47 that had stood for 22 years, breaking your countryman Heinz Fry's record. Then just recently in Dubai went 932.32 for a 5K which is absolutely incredible, had, what, three quarters of a lap on the rest of the field. Marcel, Hugh, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Um, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. This is wonderful. So we did get to talk right at the beginning. I mean, this is, I was looking at Boston because Boston, obviously, I feel like Boston owes you a little bit of something right now because you missed the second to last turn last year had to turn around, we're eight seconds off of breaking the course record, eight seconds away from a $50,000 bonus, which I'd imagine was a little bit painful. So, so but then you just said that, that you've, you have coronavirus. And so you're going great. You've got this big race. <laughs> what is going on right now in your mind? Oh, it's difficult. Uh, what's going on in my mind? Um, yeah, I was was in great shape, and then uh, yeah, sadly I got coronavirus the last days. Uh, so uh, at the moment I stay at home. Uh, luckily, it's it's not too bad. Uh, I got a little cold, um, but it's not too bad. But uh, at the moment I stay at home. Have no training. Just try to recover, and uh, I hope I can come back to training soon. Um, I also hope that I can make it to Boston. Uh, hope I can make the travel and stuff. Um, but at the moment, I don't know what's the plan, but um, I'm really looking forward. So you were saying that that your quarantine would end on the 13th of April and then potentially fly on the 14th of April to Boston to race on the 18th. Is that if, if everything works the way that it's supposed to? Yeah, in Switzerland, we, we don't have uh, really a quarantine uh, now uh, anymore, but uh, I got the certification uh, to yeah that I fully recover. I should be on 13th of April. That's correct. And the flight is on 14th. Um, but I think if, I, if I'm informed correctly, I have to do one more test 24 hours before the flight. So yeah, I hope um, everything goes, goes well and the test will be okay. 
until uh, the flight, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, I have to take it how it is. Well, I mean, that's part of being an athlete too, right? Things are going to go wrong. You have to figure out how to deal with whatever goes wrong. And how, can we take a step back? Because looking at what you've done, I mean, obviously you rose, I remember seeing you as a young kid with the silver helmet, the silver bullet thing starting on. And, and you had some of the big guys, the big Swiss guys with like Heinz Fry and Franz Niedelspach who were kind of in front of you, but coming onto the scene and then you've risen to the top of the world, but then at 35 and now 36, you've gone to an entirely different level where you're rewriting what's going on in the sport. How, how have you been able to do that in your mid thirties? What has happened? That's a good question. I really don't know. Uh, last year was just a, a crazy year for me with the Tokyo uh, Paralympics. It was a, yeah, just a, a great year for me. Uh, so many things happened. Um, in the beginning yeah, with the Paralympics, I was in great shape. I had a new wheelchair, which definitely gave me a big boost. Uh, which is a great thing, which was a great project to be involved for me. So yeah, that was a great thing and gave me a boost also mentally. And then it came one step uh, after another. Um, I had one race uh, coming to the next race and everything went perfect. So I, I got uh, a lot of confidence too, I guess. <clears throat> and yeah, um, I had I had uh, so so much luck. Also, I I never had an accident. I was healthy so far until now. I got corona, but I was was healthy all the time. Uh, material was great. Um, yeah, everything was fitting together perfectly. So. Well, fitting together perfectly, I mean, you're saying, and it feels a little understated in terms of how you're saying that it fit together perfectly, like watching you in the final lap of the 5,000 in Tokyo, where um, Brent was in, the, in, in, in lane one, Daniel had come up into lane two, you looked like you were in a really bad position, starting 400 going into 300. And then by the time you got to the last hundred meters, you were right there and walked away from the rest of the group. I mean, it looked like you looked entirely different than everybody else in that pack. It looked easy and it just looked fast and it almost looked cartoon-like in, in how much the distinction was right there. It was really impressive. Is the chair a part of that? You mentioned your new chair. And I've done a little bit of research on your chair, working with a Formula One company, working with a with a with a federation in Switzerland. How how did that process work? Developing this new chair, and what does it what does it do for you? <clears throat> yeah, for me, the opportunity to to be involved in this project was was just a, a great chance for me, and I'm really happy and proud that I was involved, and very thankful. I uh, was I was uh, able to work with with such great persons together, and they they supported me and the project. So it was, it was really nice, and 
yeah, we we tried to work hard in this project the last few years uh, because the postponement of the Paralympics, uh, we had more, one more year to work on it. And um, yeah, we, we tried to improve uh, many things uh, of, of the racing wheelchair. So one thing was uh, the, the aerodynamic. Uh, we did some, some testings in the wind tunnel as well to improve the aerodynamic. Uh, we tried to make it more stiffer, the, the chair more stiffer, which I definitely feel during, uh, yeah, during training or competitions when I drive the chair, it, it feels different from, from the stiffness. There's less, less energy uh, wasting. <clears throat> so, and uh, also we, we changed uh, the seating position uh, which definitely also helps and yeah feels feels great the new sitting position feels great and I think also it helps to have a better better position to bring the power directly into the into the, the wheels yeah and I mean you mentioned the aerodynamics so going back to Boston last year you went from the gun at Boston, Ernst said to, to Krieg, he said that, that you pulled an Ernst at the start. Ernst, who won the race 10 times, was used to leaving everybody at the starting line. But you left Ernst. You left Aaron Pike. You left some of these guys who, who go really well downhill. Is, the, is your aerodynamic situation, is it that much better? now than it was before that now because you you also don't weigh as much as as those two guys yeah i think there is a is a difference yeah there, there is <clears throat> for example last year i had a maximum speed for 10, 75 kilometers per hour that's that's the maximum top speed in, in downhill same speed as i had with the with the old chair but in in, in tailwind and last year we had uh, Edwin, so I think it's, it's it's really a difference. Yeah. That's a really big deal if you're going the same speed into a headwind because you were going for a course record in in less than optimal conditions. I mean, you ran the course record back in 17 and I know that that was that those were great conditions because I was actually in that race and and ran my fastest well my fastest marathon didn't go mostly downhill but uh but i know how good those conditions were in 17 and the conditions last year were not very good at all how about the power i mean you talk a bit, a bit about the seating position and it looks like you are on the ring longer and are getting more out of it whereas where before sort of on the clock you were coming off at like seven o'clock and now it looks like you're coming off closer to nine o'clock on the ring is that is that something with your seating position and and is that is that actually true am i seeing what you're feeling uh, i'm not sure if this is a, a difference from the seating position i i guess i always had or tried at least i tried to have a, a long push on the on the rim push rim also in in another wheelchair 
uh, I think that's that's maybe not a big difference, I think, from the new seating position. Hmm. Okay, interesting. All right, but uh, so so breaking Oida, 117.47, breaking Heinz Fry's record that had stood for 22 years. What did that mean to you? Because how much was he a mentor to you? And I mean, kind of growing up in this Swiss group, right, where you guys have some dominant athletes, but you don't have a huge team. Yeah, I mean, this uh, record means really a lot to me um, because, yeah, it's it's historic. It's very historic. It's a very old old record uh, more than 20 years old so yeah to break this world record is is really it's really special and and marathon is is a it's something a special distance which means a lot to me and yeah i mean heinz is a, a pioneer in this sport he's a, a legend in in wheelchair racing and to to break his world record is is really something that means a lot to me. Did he reach out to you when you broke the record? Did you get a message from him or anything? Uh, not directly, but I saw him at uh, an event afterwards. So and then he congratulated me. Yeah. It's got to be pretty amazing. I think that within the within the wheelchair racing community, most people put Heinz at the top of wheelchair of, of marathoning, right? It, just in terms of who he is, in terms of like level of injury as well, how he pioneered the sport and just did some amazing things and loved to train. What for Boston, and I know right now Boston is very much up in the air for you with regard to coronavirus and all this and everything. But do you have any idea in terms of in terms of tactics? I would imagine as you were approaching the race, you were thinking of breaking the course record. But now with coronavirus, maybe not not quite as much. But tactically, are you are you still thinking about trying to trying to take it from the start? Yeah, I, uh, I it's still my my a goal. Yeah, it was a goal to break the, the course record. Uh, it really depends on the weather conditions, from the wind uh, direction. Uh, but any anyway, uh, I think one key factor is is it the downhill, the first downhill. Um, it's very important to have um, yeah the fastest possible downhill. So I have to to put all my my energy in this uh, in this downhill and then we will see what happens uh, we'll see how big the group will be um, and then yeah how, how much energy I have got left also after this coronavirus so I don't think too much of uh, tactics now but uh, the downhill will be de definitely uh, a, a key factor in this marathon. What does that feel like? Like last year, I'd imagine you came into it with a ton of confidence, right? You were you were coming off so many so many races, but also Boston was Monday, following Chicago, and following Chicago, you and Daniel Romanchuk had come to that last hill, 
and and he out sprinted you on that last hill to take the only the only major marathon that you didn't win last year when you go off the front at the beginning of a boston you know that those hills are there somewhere later is what what does it feel like as you're going through are you worried about that that he might be close enough that he could take advantage of those hills or how do you feel about it yeah i was just trying to to go as fast as possible in the downhill um yeah knowing that my chair is is good in aerodynamics and then yeah i was just hoping that yeah that maybe I can make a gap already after the downhill. And um, yeah, when I uh, looked back after the downhill, I saw already that I have a, a big gap and that yeah, it was a, a relief, of course. And then I think when I, I have a gap, I just have to, to try to keep my pace. But you're also, you're not getting any feedback during the race, right? You're not like a cyclist where they have the coach in their ear and, and the coach is telling them what's going on behind them. You're kind of going and you have you have no idea to a certain extent, you might be able to sort of hear when, when they start cheering for the next person if they're close enough. But for the most part, you really, you're running blind out there. You have, you have no idea. How do, you, how do you manage that for you? Do you just stay in your plan? Yeah, exactly. That's a um, that's a difficult point. Um, you don't know really how much uh, the gap is. Uh, where are you standing? Uh, you just see when the the gap is growing, uh, and that gives you a lot of confidence, of course. And especially at this point, when you don't see the, the other athletes anymore in the back, that that's a good sign. Uh, as long as as they can see you, uh, it's it's difficult. So then they are still motivated to to catch you again. But once once you you don't see them anymore, uh, it will be a, a bigger challenge to to catch you. And then it's important that just to to keep the the pace, uh, not to overpace, of course, uh, but also not to go too easy just just to hold the pace as much as i can and uh, have a good uh good feeling good uh, feedback from from your body and um, that's important obviously not right now with covid but with regard to your training with regard to your competing is this the fun time for you like at 35 36 years old when you've put in all of this work over so many years and and you're getting your equipment so dialed in to you is this the fun part of the the most fun part of your career uh you mean right now right uh, now yeah 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 it's definitely uh, a, a special special period of, of my career right now yeah with all these uh, successes uh sometimes it really feels uh, like uh, it's unreal or I'm dreaming or uh, yeah how it's possible it just feels yeah really special uh, and I really enjoy it um, because um, yeah I know it, it's 
it's it's a really very nice part of the career but i know it really can change very soon very quickly that uh, something happens or uh, other athletes uh, come more uh, stronger or have new material as well so yeah i try to enjoy uh, the moment uh, but i'm aware that it can change uh, very soon you, you've won so many things are there are there any goals like things that you say i need to do this i mean you just broke the 5000 meter world record are, are there any things that you say okay you've broken the, the marathon world record are there any things right now that you're looking at saying this is my goal for the the year is it the world major marathon championship what, how do you look at this year and say those are the things that i'm targeting yeah, for this year, for this season, I had uh, three targets. Uh, one was the, the 5,000 meter world record, which I, I already achieved. Uh, the other thing was the course record in Boston, um, which will be now more challenging. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. Who knows how it will be. And the third goal is the, the world uh marathon uh, major series uh to win this series again so these three goals for this year okay so so the 5000 meter world record the course record in boston and then the world major marathon series which is tokyo uh tokyo london or tokyo boston london berlin uh chicago new york those six marathons which is which is amazing so can, can we go back just just briefly just to the 5k because I watched the 5k and you had some great race great racers in that race in, in in Dubai I mean you had like Proat in that in that race who's who's won so many medals throughout the Paralympics and you went off the front at the beginning was that your intention was to was to go off the front at the beginning of the of the 5k. I mean, you had like five, 10 meters in the first lap, stayed stayed kind of like that for the for 800. And then you just started opening it up. Was was that your plan all along? Because it was phenomenal. Watch. Yeah, uh, to be honest, it was uh, was the decision made just at the start line to do like this. Um, I, I knew, or I, I was thinking that it will be possible in these conditions, in these weather conditions and in my, my shape, that it will be possible to, to break, uh, the world record again. Um, I, I broke the record a few, um, days before in, in Georgia as well. And I was thinking that it will be, it is possible to, to make it even faster because uh, the conditions, the weather conditions in Georgia was not, not as good as in, in Dubai, it was more windy. And so I thought it, it's, it might be possible to break the record again, but uh, I didn't know exactly how it will be possible because uh, tactically it will be difficult when, when you have a, a group uh, together and, and 
yeah, it should should work together and change the lead and everything. There's so many factors which are um, difficult or should be, um, yeah, just work and and then at the start line, I, I decided to try to have a fast start. Uh, and maybe, or I hoped that maybe I have a faster start than the other athletes. And then once when I have a, a gap, um, as well, as I said before in the marathon, I think when I have a gap, I just try to, to hold my pace. And I, I knew what speed I had to to, to race for the world record. So I tried to hold this, this speed and yeah, it was-, um, was Which is amazing. And, and I mean, there, there are benefits each way, right? The thing is, if you go on your own, you're not pulling somebody along who can then sprint around you and take the world exactly. record without having to do all of the work necessarily. But the, but, but the other side of that is that if you're all alone, you don't have you don't have any help you don't have you can't take a rest at all during the race and that that to me was was the most impressive part is that one it's speaking about your fitness that that you have that fitness your your confidence that you have the confidence in your fitness which sometimes can be if your confidence erodes you can you you burn more energy that way as well if you're uncertain about your ability it seems like you get more tired but but just and then just your willingness to put it all on the line and go fast so it was it was really really impressive to watch that well marcel thank you for joining us even when you're sick i hope do, do you feel okay or you just did you test positive or, or are you actually not feeling well too uh i feel okay i feel uh not really fit uh i got yeah cold and and, and so and uh, i don't feel in in very good shape but um i feel okay and i looking forward to to get well very soon okay well we hope that you recover quickly and that you don't lose all of this spectacular shape that you have created over the last over the last years uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Good luck. We hope to see you in Boston. I mean, fingers crossed and uh, get well soon. So thank, thank you. you. Thank and you and thank you to all of you for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends, you know, to follow us, to like us, tell people to tune in and they'll get a great story. So, uh, so we look forward to seeing the rest of you as well. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Waddell Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.